Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, we're going to be going back to fantasy football, going back to my roots. Gotten a lot of requests from you guys to cover this, and I know drafts are coming up very quickly here. So I am figured I'd get this out early and out of the way, just so that way you can listen to it before your drafts. Today's episode, I'm going to be going over a bunch of players to avoid in rounds one through six, and then I'm going to be talking about overall draft strategy, how you should be using your draft capital players you should be targeting and as well as some late round sleepers so be sure be sure to stay tuned for it all i'll try to put timestamps down below in the description if i forget sorry about that this isn't going to be as structured as the preview episodes so the timestamps won't be as helpful probably but hopefully you guys enjoy this episode if you do share with your friends and family be sure to follow me over my over on instagram at murphy's league let's get right into it this is gonna be a really fun episode Really looking forward to fantasy football starting up again. If you have any more questions or this doesn't answer some questions, feel free to DM me on Instagram if you've got my number or Snapchat or whatever. Feel free to hit me up on there. I'm more than willing to answer any questions. I would love to help you guys out. And take everything I say with a grain of salt because, again, there's no such thing as a fantasy pro and no one is absolutely right in any one of their takes. So with all that being said, let's get into it. Alright, so before I get into anything at all, I just want to let you know that this will be based on half PPR scoring. Some of you guys are obviously going to be in standard leagues, some of you guys are going to be in PPR leagues. All you really need to know is that in standard, running backs are going to be a little bit more valuable, um, purely because there's no extra points given for a reception, and that gives the running backs a slight advantage. And then in PPR, obviously receivers are going to be a little bit more valuable. They're going to be going earlier in drafts. So I'm going to shoot right between the middle, which hopefully satisfy everybody. And I'm, this is going to be based off half PPR scoring formats. I also want to say, before I get into some players to avoid in round one and two, that was easily the hardest two rounds to make uh, a proper avoid this player list because frankly there's a reason why all these guys are going in the first or second rounds they deserve to be going there these are the guys that are getting the most opportunity they're often the most talented players in the skill positions in the nfl so take everything i say with a grain of salt and just keep in mind that it's very hard to pick out specific guys not to target in round one especially because again these are just the upper echelon tier of fantasy players but with all that being said i do have a few names that i probably won't be drafting on any single one of my teams i know i'm gonna get a lot of hate for some of the names i'm about to say on here but again it's the first round i have to be extremely nitpicky and again if you don't agree with me that's perfectly fine it's round one these are just guys that i will most likely not be investing in Starting off at the top, and we're going to go in order of average draft pick, ADP is how I'm going to refer to it in the rest of the episode. If I say ADP, I just mean average draft pick, where they're like most commonly going in fantasy drafts. So the number one guy that I'm going to be avoiding, and it's more so because of where he's going, not because of the talent, not because of the player. And I don't think that a lot of you guys are going to agree with me on this one, but hear me out. It's Christian McCaffrey. I know, I know he's possibly the most talented running back in the league. He's in an amazing run scheme in the Kyle Shanahan offense. They gave up a whole lot of assets to get him. They're paying him a bag. When he's on the field, he is undoubtedly going to be a workhorse back. He's going to get a ridiculous amount of touches this season. 
the only reason why I'm avoiding him is because a injury history. We know that he's missed significant time in the past with the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, was healthy for a majority of the season last year. I don't know if he missed even a single game and came to San Francisco and looked like the old Christian McCaffrey that we know and love, extremely dominant. And I think he did finish as the RB2 overall. So, I mean, based off those stats, you'd expect him to be fully worth being drafted at the second pick in the draft. But it's really just an injury history problem for me. I don't expect him to play every single game this year. Again, he's only one year older. And I think the fact that they are paying him the way they're paying and they ha essentially need for him to get as many touches as he can. And he really is going to be a true workhorse in this backfield. I don't love that from a fantasy point of view. I think when he's on the field, he can easily be the RB1 overall, but I just don't trust the injury history there. And there's a few other guys with the second overall pick I think I'd rather have. I think I'd rather have Tyreek Hill, if I'm being completely honest, in half PPR, because again, Tyreek was on a ridiculous pace last year when Tua was healthy. Even without Tua, Mike McDaniels just knows how to scheme this guy open. Other guys that come to mind are even like Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. I think all these guys are on the same stratosphere as Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I just don't think you're going to have to take such a big risk of drafting him at number two overall. Even a guy like Austin, which again, I'm biased. I love Austin. Know him personally. Shout out Cole. Um, great guy. But anyways, he hasn't had any major injury histories. Knock on wood. Sorry, that was probably really loud for you guys, but I need to knock on wood because I cannot be jinxing this guy. Austin has had no major injury history in the past. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, we know he's dealt with a lot of injuries. And if McCaffrey's there at four or five, am I going to take him? Yes, absolutely. Am I going to take him at second overall when someone like Justin Jefferson's probably going to go number one? I probably won't. No, I'm probably going to take someone like a Tyreek Hill after... Uh, after Justin Jefferson and wait off on Christian McCaffrey. And this might go against what I'm going to tell you later in my draft strategies. I really like to take running backs early, especially in half PPR and standard leagues. But McCaffrey is just someone that this might end up biting me in the ass at the end of the year. He certainly has a chance to finish as the number one overall running back. But it really just comes down to an injury history with me, and it really does make me nervous that he has dealt with so many injuries in the past and missed such a significant amount of time. Um, it's not like the Niners are one. And again, you have to take all this with a grain of salt, and this is super nitpicky because he is one of the best players in the entire league. But it is worth mentioning that San Francisco does have a pretty unfortunate injury history, especially in their backfield. Never wishing injuries upon anybody. Trust me, that's not what I'm doing here. But... The number two overall pick for Christian McCaffrey is just a tad bit rich for me. Same with this next guy. And again, this is nitpicking beyond nitpicking. Travis Kelsey, average draft pick at five. Will he win you some weeks? Absolutely. But I just really don't think that the ceiling is as great as some of these other guys, especially with Kansas City bringing in some new weapons and adding some new receiving talent, whether it is Rasheed Rice or Sky Moore expecting to take the next step forward. We expect Kadarius Tony to take the next step forward. And even though we haven't seen it yet, Travis Kelsey, in theory, should be slowing down sooner rather than later. He's on the wrong side of 30. I think he's 33 years old. And again, this is so nitpicky because Travis Kelsey is the best tight end or at least receiving tight end in the league and he is going to win you some weeks and having that elite tight end really can push you over the top and carry you to a championship. I fully understand that. 
I just don't know if I'm going to take him at five. You know, if he's there at seven or eight, yeah, I'd probably pull the trigger. But five feels a little bit rich to me. I think there's some other receivers and running backs with higher upside. I think Austin and CMC uh, are two running backs that definitely have higher upside. I would take Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill over him for sure. Obviously, those are four names that come off right at the top of my head. And then maybe he could be that fifth guy. But I still think I'd rather go with an elite running back or an elite receiver rather than an elite tight end. I just, again, I don't think the ceiling is there. If you disagree with me on that, totally fair. Totally understand. Everyone has their different strategies. And a lot of people like to prioritize someone like a Kelsey or a Mark Andrews early on, just so they have that significant positional advantage. But for me personally, that's not the strategy that I go by. That's not how I would do it. Again, if he's there later in the round, if he's there at seven or eight, Absolutely, I would be comfortable pulling the trigger on that one, especially because of how consistent he is. Again, the floor is 100% there, but with these early draft picks, you're really going for number one overall finishes in the wide receiver or running back um, positions. The tight end, even if Travis Kelsey finishes as the number one tight end again, which he most likely will, that's still there's still a significant gap between the tight end one and the wide receiver one or the running back one. And in my opinion, there are still guys that can contend for that running back one or that wide receiver one position. When you're taking Travis Kelsey at five, I would rather take the risk and shoot my shot on those guys because again, fantasy football is really all about risks that pay off. It's really about risk to reward. And in my opinion, there's very, very little risk in driving, drafting Travis Kelsey. That is absolutely correct. But the reward isn't simply as high as some of these other guys that can hit. And again, if you don't agree with that strategy, that's totally fine. Don't listen to me. Take Travis Kelsey. If you want to play it safe and you want to know that you are going to have a guy that's probably going to finish as the best at his position, probably the equivalent of like the wide receiver six or seven, go for it. That's totally fair. I understand it. But me personally, I wouldn't be taking that route. Up next, CeeDee Lamb with an average draft pick of 11. So, Depending on how big your league is, this is either the very start of round two or the very end of round one, but I just don't think his target share is going to be nearly as gnarly this year. He was second in the NFL. I think he had like 31% of his team's targets. That is absolutely insane. And the Cowboys know that this number has to go down. It's not sustainable for this number to stay this high. And Dak threw a lot of interceptions when throwing CD's way. He kind of got tunnel vision on him because he had receivers in and out of the lineup. But with Michael Gallup hopefully coming back 100% healthy, um, should be around for the whole year, and then bringing in Brandon Cooks, obviously a veteran who's been around a lot of places and knows what he's doing really, really solid in his role, has broken a thousand receiving yards on each and every single team he has played in, played on, excuse me, played for, I guess. He's a guy that it just feels like Mr. Consistent. We know what he's going to do. He's going to eat in to CD Lamb's target share, as will Michael Gallup, as will guys like Tony Pollard and Deuce Vaughn. I think those guys will be catching balls out of the backfield as well, especially Tony Pollard, obviously. Um, so I don't really particularly like him where he's going. It just, again, it feels a little bit rich for me. I don't think the ceiling is there in terms of target share because we saw it last year and I believe he finished in the top 10 receivers. Now he's going as a top seven to eight receiver, um, possibly even six in some of your drafts. And I just really don't see the ceiling there. I don't think he has as effective of a year in terms of target share and production that he did last year so i really don't see it as re re replicable that's a weird word to say 
Um, and C.D. Lamb is not someone I'm going to be targeting because of those reasons, because there are other guys brought in that are going to be taken away from his target share, and C.D. Lamb is someone that I will not be drafting in the first round. Again, take all this with a grain of salt and take all this in consideration with their ADP. It is very, very, very much worth mentioning that if these guys fall below this ADP, I will likely be drafting them. If C.D. Lamb is there in the middle of the second round, I'll probably take him. If he's there at the end of the second round, hell yeah, sign me up. That's fine. I'm just not going to be taking him at the very end of the first or the turn of the second. There's other guys with more upside that I like. Um, obviously, this is an avoids episode, so you can kind of put two and two together of other guys that I would probably target over him. Um, I likely wouldn't target someone like AJ Brown, but like Amara, he's going to get a lot of targets, especially in PPR. Amara St. Brown's going to be a monster. Jalen Waddle is another player that I absolutely love. I would even be fine with having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the same team. I think they're just that good. And assuming Tua is going to stay healthy, obviously there is risk involved in that. But again, I just trust this coaching staff so much. They're going to get the ball in their playmaker's hands and Waddle, he can take a slant 80 yards. I just absolutely love Jalen Waddle. Um, I would even take Tony Pollard over CD Lamb, most likely. Um, that's not always the case of how it plays out in some of your drafts. Anyways, my point is this isn't an episode about guys to be targeting because <laughs> again, rounds one and two, these are the upper, upper echelon tier of guys. So this is much more focused on the guys that I am avoiding. And round two, pretty similar thoughts here. First guy I'll be avoiding is Brees Hall. Brees Hall was one of my favorite prospects in the entire draft coming out last year. He's going to be amazing in the future. This just won't be his year. Now there's more competition in the building. Dalvin Cook obviously signed a one-year deal with them. They're going to make the most of that contract. They're going to use him, especially in the first half of the year. I really think that it's going to be more of a committee there in New York. I really think Brees and Dalvin are going to be splitting touches because... Brees is only one year removed from an ACL. We have seen this time and time again. It is extremely rare for a player to come back from an ACL the next year and be 100% the same player. Two years removed, that's when you really start to see the player get back to their old self. One year removed, um, so the next year, I guess. It's, it's very common that running backs especially are not the same. Obviously, Adrian Peterson proved that that was false, but that's because Adrian Peterson is different. There's not a lot of guys like Adrian Peterson. Brees Hall, don't expect him to be fully back into Brees Hall form until, honestly, probably the middle of the season, and then they'll start working him back into the offense and working Dalvin Cook back out. Not that he's not going to get touches immediately off the bat because he's electric and he's fantastic, but now that they have Dalvin Cook in there, and even Izzy, which I think is going to steal some targets from Izzy, Izzy Adabakanda, I believe he's pronounced his last name. I was super high on him coming out of Pittsburgh. If you listen to my pre-draft process episodes, I think he was my running back three overall. He was either three or four. I can't really remember. Um, I know it was Bijan, Jameer, and then I believe it was him, and then Zach Chabernet. Zach Chabernet and him were Maybe like 3A, 3B. Either way, I'm getting a little distracted here. My point is, Brees Hall has more competition in that backfield. One year removed from the ACL. He is someone I will be avoiding. Round two, especially beginning of round two, just too rich for me with Dalvin Cook coming in. Don't like that. Not going to be targeting Brees Hall. Up next, Joe Mixon. This is a guy that absolutely did me dirty last year. Had him on 
one of my teams um, in my high school league. If you're listening to this, um, you probably know that league. He might be even be in that league. I'm the commissioner again this year. He fucked me over last year. He was extremely, literally one of the most inefficient backs in the entire league. Was totally outplayed by Samaj P. Ryan all the way to the end of the year there. Um, he was getting a lot more catches towards the second half of the year, but just a truly terrible, terrible first half of the season. Wasn't even great in the second half. He just absolutely blew up against the Panthers. He went for like five touchdowns and 200 something yards, something like that. I believe he had like 56 fantasy points or some ridiculous stat that, that game, but that really just propped up his stats like crazy. And Still only 3.9 yards per carry last year. Again, extremely inefficient. They drafted Trace Brown, brought in that competition. I think Chris Evans, back from Michigan, they drafted a couple years ago, is going to see a lot more work in this offense. So I can see the temptation of Joe Mixon, you know, being in a really good offense, catching a lot of balls towards the end of the year. And Samaj P. Ryan now being gone, being in Denver. I can see the appeal, but I just don't fall for it, in my opinion. Again, no one's absolutely right on anything, but I'm pretty confident about this one. Avoid Joe Mixon in the middle of the second round. There's just better picks out there. Um, I don't like this guy at all. He had the second most carries inside the 10-yard line last year at 28. 28 carries inside the 10-yard line. That only turned into five touchdowns. So, again, just not efficient as a runner at all. They're bringing in competition to probably phase him out. Um I know they restructured his contract so he could stay around. He obviously wants to stay in Cincinnati. Sorry about that. Um, but just don't fall for it. I don't like Joe Mixon at all. Up next is Jonathan Taylor. Again, this might be... These are probably all controversial, and there's probably somewhere... Someone somewhere is hating me for every single one of these takes, but I just really don't like the buzz around Jonathan Taylor right now. I don't like what's coming out of the Colts building concerning Jonathan Taylor. On top of the videos you've seen of him limping around, just walking around, um, it's unclear if he's exaggerating those injuries so he can get out of the building, but I would need to see where he'd be traded first, then maybe I could be convinced if he ends up in the right system. Like If he ends up in a team like Miami, which I don't think they're going to get Jonathan Taylor because I just don't think they want to give up draft capital, but that would be an example of a team that I could see really using him well, really knowing how to use him, and he could be very effective, but I just don't like the buzz around him right now. I'm going to pause this really quick because this dog won't stop barking. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, hopefully we're good. Um, yeah. So some names I would take in the second round instead of the three guys I just mentioned. I already mentioned some of them earlier. I would take Devontae Adams. I would take Josh Jacobs. I would take AJ Brown. I would take Jalen Waddle over any one of those guys. So just keep that in mind. Again, this isn't necessarily a list of players to target. This is much more players to avoid because... I think it gives you a better gauge. I'd rather tell you players to not target so you don't get screwed over because again, hit rates, especially in the early rounds are much higher. And you really, the difference is between those, like those first three rounds, you don't really care how hard the players hit. Obviously you want them to be the top echelon of their position. You want the wide receiver one, you want the RB one. But you, what you really don't want is you really don't want him to bust. You really don't want to spend a second round pick on a guy on that ends up being, you know, a middling, like running back 20 or an or middle RB2. You know what I mean? I think you'd rather have the certainty of not missing on a pick than absolutely nailing it. 
and maybe again maybe someone's strategy be different but I just really think that you really need to shoot for upside in fantasy football. That's how you win leagues. But we'll get to my draft strategy later. Let's continue with some players that you should be avoiding. Let's go on to round three. Round three, some two dudes I'd be wary about. And it's not that these are absolute avoids, but I would just be careful about not taking them too early in the round. Najee Harris and Chris Olave. Olave is one that I could definitely be talked into more with Derek Carr coming in. Um, Michael Thomas has obviously dealt with injuries a lot in his past, and I don't really expect him to see a healthy season after missing so much time in the past two or three years. But I'd be a little bit wary of Olave. I think they're going to spread out the ball more than you think. I don't think he's going to be you know, force fed targets as much. And again, there's just got more guys that I would rather have here. Also be wary of Najee Harris. He was extremely inefficient last year and was basically beaten outright in every single category by Jalen Warren. That's a guy that I'm definitely going to be targeting in the later rounds. Uh, I don't think Najee's going to see the reception totals that he has seen in his first two years in the league, especially his rookie year. His rookie year, he caught so many goddamn balls. I don't think that's going to be replicated either. And again, Najee is just, as fun as he was to watch at Alabama, he's just not quite the same player and hasn't been nearly as efficient since he's been in the league. Jalen Warren's a guy that at his value, I think his ADP is like in the 120s. I would much rather target him and just avoid Najee Harris altogether. Um, he is another player that kind of fucked me over last year, bought into the Najee Harris uh, hype train pretty early on and ended up biting me in the ass. Pretty fucking bad. He was similar to Joe Mixon, just extremely inefficient. I think only 3.9 yards per carry as well. So I'm not totally telling you to totally avoid Chris Olave or Najee Harris, but just be wary about where you're drafting him. If those guys are making it to the end of the third, pull the trigger, but not as high on those guys as some other guys. Um, these are two names you should definitely avoid, though, in my opinion. Jameer Gibbs being the first. Uh, that's another name that people might hate me for mentioning him on this list, but Yes, in PPR, he's going to have some great value. Probably going to catch like 60 to 70 balls this year. But in half or standard, this guy is not getting the most valuable touches in all of fantasy football. And that's goal line slash red zone work. That's going to be going to David Montgomery. David Montgomery is someone that I'm going to bring up a little bit later in this episode. Um, <clears throat> and hint, it's not going to be a player to avoid. But Jameer Gibbs... Sure, he's going to be a fun weapon. As a football player, he's going to be fantastic, in my opinion. But as a fantasy threat, I really don't see it being there. Um, mostly because he's going to be playing. He's a two-down back. He's not going to be playing on third downs, in my opinion. Um, unless it's like an obvious passing down, in which case, you know, he's going to be there. But he can't really pass block, so he's not going to be in on play-action plays. David Montgomery is going to be getting the... Um, or wait, I said that completely wrong. I just realized, sorry. What I'm trying to say is David Montgomery is going to be the first two down back and Jameer Gibbs is going to be more of that third down scat back, going to be catching balls out of the backfield. I just totally flipped that over. Sorry about that. Um, and so, yeah, he's going to catch a lot of balls. He's going to have some value in PPR. He's probably going to rack up a good amount of yards. But in standard and half PPR, touchdowns are so, so, so important for scoring. And I really don't think the touchdown totals are going to be there for this guy. David Montgomery is going to be stealing that short goal line yardage and I just really don't see the upside there especially if you're going to be spending a third round pick on this guy there's a lot of other guys I'd rather have at this value and for the same reasons that I just mentioned as Jameer Gibbs Ramondre Stevenson also never trust Patriots running backs that's just a whole different 
<laughs> different thing entirely because you can never trust Bill Belichick in what he's going to do with his running backs. There always seems to be a new back in town that seemingly comes out of nowhere and just takes over. Um, and they also love to use running backs by committees over there, and they have some damn good running backs, not going to lie. But with Ezekiel Elliott coming in, it's very similar to a Jameer Gibbs where Ramondre Stevenson is more than likely not going to get the goal line work, and in standard and half PPR leagues, that is so crucial to scoring. Um, I kind of understand the argument for him because maybe he's being slept on a little too much now and you can get him later. If he drops to the fourth, I don't mind picking him there. But again, I really just don't trust Patriots running backs. And I just don't think he's going to get that really crucial goal line work that proves to be so important year in and year out for fantasy production. So Ramondre Stevenson and Jameer Gibbs are two players I'm going to be avoiding in round three for pretty similar reasons. And round four, the first guy I'm going to mention, sorry, Reese, plug your ears. I'm going to be avoiding Miles Sanders in the fourth round. Again, just feels too rich for me. Going from one of the best, probably the best offensive line in all of football and letting him walk from there. Um, I don't think that Miles Sanders is an absolutely terrible player. Don't get me wrong. But I also think he is a product of playing behind that line. He was extremely efficient last year for Philadelphia. But he was with a running back that opens up a lot of lanes for him because he's also a threat with his legs. Bryce Young will not be doing the RPO <laughs> game with Miles Sanders. That is just not Bryce Young's game, and that's not how the coaching staff will use him. They want to keep him healthy. He's not a running threat. They don't want him running through linebackers and DBs. That's just not how he, that offense is going to be ran. And Carolina's offensive line, honestly, might be a little overrated. They've been getting a lot of hype this offseason, and they have signed some really, some, I shouldn't say really good guys, but they've signed some good players. Um, but I just don't trust it. Maybe it's just because I'm watching Hard Knocks right now, and the Jets' defensive line just absolutely torched them in their joint practice. And the Jets' defensive line is really, really good. So maybe I'm overlooking this a little bit, and I'm overthinking this. But... I just don't think Carolina's offense is going to be as great, and I think they're going to be passing the ball a lot, given that they're going to be down in a lot of games. Miles Sanders, I really just don't see the upside here. Round four just feels like a really, really rich ask for him. If he's falling to round five or six, yeah, sure. Again, ADP is so important here. Keep this in mind as I'm mentioning all these players. If the price is right, pull the trigger on these guys. Like, There's a reason why they're being taken as high as they are, but for me personally, I just wouldn't take guys like Miles Sanders at the beginning of round four. I think it's way too rich. I don't see the offense being very effective. I don't love his offensive line. And I think he was, I mean, again, not a bad player, but a, definitely a product of playing behind that amazing Philadelphia offensive line, pilling with um, whatever that dude's name is, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and uh, that really, really helped his efficiency. Two more guys to be wary about, not necessarily to totally avoid, but just I would be wary and proceed with caution. And some guys, again, might give me shit for this. First is Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker now sharing a backfield with Zach Charbonnet. I think it's going to be more of a backfield by committee than we think because Kenneth Walker has dealt with his fair share of injuries. It sounds like he's already dealing with some injuries in training camp. He's got these freaking nagging hamstring injuries that always seem to bother him. And that really does concern me if he's already injury prone. Obviously, he was incredible last year when he was on the field. Extremely effective. Won me a ton of games in one of my leagues as well. Um, great player. Don't get me wrong. But I think Zach Charbonnet is going to seriously hinder his 
workhorse status. I think he seriously will steal a decent amount of touches from him. And I'm just a little bit nervous about Kenneth Walker and his injury history now bringing in Zach Chabernet, an extremely talented running back. I think it's going to be more of a committee over there. And I think for Kenneth Walker's professional football career longevity, I think bringing in Zach Charbonnet is actually really, really good for him because it brings some of the pressure off of him. But from a fantasy perspective, he's going to be getting less touches this year. And I just would be a little bit wary of him and his injury history. And now with another talented back coming into the backfield, another guy I'd be wary about again, coming off of an injury and honestly played pretty well when he was on the field last year, JK Dobbins. This is kind of similar to Kenneth Walker where he, it's not just the injury history here, but it's also Gus Edwards and some of these other running backs in the backfield. The Ravens have really proven year in and year out that JK Dobbins, although he is very effective on the ground, Gus Edwards has practically been just as effective. And even throughout like the last few weeks of the NFL season and into the playoffs, their numbers were basically identical in terms of rushing attempts and yards per carry. I really think they're going to keep it that way. This is going to be a two-headed monster in the backfield. And again, at the beginning or middle of round four, you're not really looking for guys like that. You're looking for guys with upside. You're looking for guys that are going to be workhorses. I would even wait a little bit longer and take someone like a Damian Pierce, who I think I've been significantly sleeping on just because his offense is going to be so bad. But we know Damian Pierce is going to get the workload. So just an example there. Again, this isn't a uh, a video or a, a fucking not this isn't a video at all this isn't an episode telling you guys um who to target this is just to who to avoid and who to be wary of so proceed with caution with kenneth walker and jk dobbins at the four five turn this is another guy very similar to Brees hall that i just don't really trust and i don't think he's going to be getting significant touches right off the bat again coming off an acl tear i am talking about javante williams of the Denver Broncos. Javante Williams was a fantastic prospect coming out of UNC. I absolutely loved him. Super, super fun to watch. Super aggressive runner. Had a fantastic start to his career before tearing his ACL. They signed Samaj P. Ryan. That is significant. He is going to get significant work at the beginning of the year. Again, similar to Brees Hall, by the time the season's end, I think Javante Williams will firmly establish himself as the RB1 and the go-to guy there. But they're going to ease his way in. Samaj P. Ryan is going to get significant work. There's a reason why they signed him and gave him the money they did. And again, running backs coming off, especially running back, any football player, but especially running backs coming off an ACL tear, that first year coming back, they're almost never the same. Give him till next year, then take Devontae Williams. Um, love him as a player, but just given the injury history, given they're bringing in Samaj P. Ryan, don't love him for the value he is at. I'm sorry if you can hear my fridge. That thing is fucking loud. Um, at round five, I don't think this is going to be a surprise at all to say either one of these two guys. This is going to be the last round that I'm going to be avoiding players. And you're going to notice a theme. I've almost mentioned 100% running backs. So keep that in mind as I get into my draft strategy. But at round five, two guys that I'm going to be avoiding. James Conner, the first of which, and I know that some people like how hard of a runner he is and how many touchdowns he averages. Guess what? The Cardinals are not going to be getting into the red zone this much this offseason, or this season, excuse me. Their offense is going to be terrible. I know Kyler Murray might be ready by October, but I really think it's Caleb Williams' time, time in Arizona. They're going to be going for him. Um, they're selling everybody. 
<laughs> they really are. They just traded Isaiah Simmons for a seventh rounder. Um, I don't think they're going to be a competitive team this year. He has some upside towards the end of the year, but really just don't like it for a fifth round pick. Again, I'd rather take guys that have a higher ceiling. James Conner, I'm really not seeing the ceiling here because he's just not in a great offense. He doesn't catch too many balls and yeah, just don't really like him at all. <laughs> Up next, I would be avoiding Cam Akers. I know he's supposed to be back in the Rams facility and there seems like they've brushed everything over. I don't care. I'm not buying it. He's got a really weird relationship with his front office from basically entirely quitting on the team last year, then coming back in and looking all right. But I just really don't like all that and what's going on. And I still think that the Rams aren't going to be, they're not going to be as bad as they were last year, but they're not going to be fantastic. And I really think Zach Evans is going to give this guy a run for his money. Rookie coming out of Ole Miss, extremely talented, has dealt with some injuries in his past. But if he can stay healthy, I seriously think he's going to compete for the RB1 spot in this offense. And don't be surprised if he ends up taking a large majority of snaps away from Cam Akers. So that's going to do it for the targets to avoid, or I guess players to avoid segment. I'm going to stop recording right now so I can actually have time segments in this episode. I'm going to pick it back up in a second with my draft strategy. All right, so let's talk draft strategy. Again, this is going to be in half PPR. And as I mentioned in that last segment, I told you guys to avoid a ton of and I mean a fucking ton of running backs in those middle rounds. So one thing I want to say um, before I get into all the nitty gritty draft strategy stuff is, well, I guess this is part of the draft strategy. Take running backs early. Trying to get two or three in the first two or three rounds. Trying to take two in the first three rounds, ideally, if you will get a wide receiver or a top end tight end, or say round three, Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or Mahomes are still there. You want to go that route. Totally understand it, but I would say at least take two running backs in the first three rounds. Obviously, there's exceptions to that rule. If there's great value, a wide receiver, or a guy like Kelsey fell to you at eight, and then next thing you know, a guy like, I don't know, for whatever reason, let's say um, Amara is there at the turn, or maybe no, because that wouldn't make sense. Well, let's say like somehow you're in a 10-man league, Travis Kelsey's there at eight, you make the turn and Devontae Adams is there fucking do it absolutely that value is to makes total sense right and then target running backs later on but given that if the value is equal to what you're going to get out of wide receiver position take the running backs every time the running back depth is super super tight uh there's not a lot of really good running backs this year especially it feels like the running back position the workhorse position is really dying out um so you can make the counter argument to that and say like oh well the receivers have so much upside and there's always running backs that surprise people and come out of nowhere. Yes, that is true. There are running backs that surprise people and come out of nowhere, but you can't anticipate that one of those guys that come out of nowhere is just going to end up on your team via the waiver wire, or you're going to get a late round pick. These guys come out of nowhere and there's so many of these guys because simply that they just, people just don't see them coming and they get overlooked and then they end up not getting drafted. That doesn't mean you can depend on, you know, Last year for me, it was Damian Pierce, who I'd got super late in a lot of my drafts, ended up working out. Also really like Kenneth Walker. This year, I mean, we'll get to some of those guys. If there's guys like DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Jarek McKinnon, I think those guys have a ton of value in the later rounds, but you can't anticipate that those guys are absolutely going to hit. So I would put my eggs in the running back basket early. I would be getting it out of the way. And again, if the value was right, I would be targeting two running backs in the first three rounds and then 
stack up your wide receivers after that, and then come back to running back in rounds 7, 8, 9, 10, those types of stuff, because I think there are some really, really good sleepers. And also, those are, the, those are like when the value picks come in. And again, just as I mentioned, that's when you're going to find guys like the Damian Pierces of the world, all that type of stuff. So that is my first piece of advice. Take running backs early, especially, especially if you play in standard. If you play in PPR, you're not going to prioritize them as much, and I'm not going to hate you if you're taking guys like Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey. If you're taking guys like that over your first running back, I'm not going to blame you in half PPR, or in PPR, but in half PPR, especially standard, take running backs early. Do yourself a favor. They're a lot harder to hit on. There's a lot less of them. It's just more scarce, so don't fuck yourself over and end up taking your first running backs in round four or five and end up having your number one guy be someone like a James Conner or a Cam Akers. That is just asking for trouble, in my opinion. Again, take all this with a grain of salt. No one has the perfect strategy, but hey, you're listening to me after all. This is just what I would do. Now, second piece of advice, target volume and be mindful of regression. What I mean by this is opportunity is the ultimate cheat code in fantasy football. Think about Christian McCaffrey when he was RB1 for the Carolina Panthers a couple years ago. He led the league in touches easily. Derrick Henry, always in the top of the league of touches, always in the top of the league in running backs in fantasy football. Same with CeeDee Lamb last year. Target share was out the roof. He had a really, really effective year. Michael Thomas, when he was dominating all those years, his target share was through the roof. My point is, don't take running backs in committees early um, unless there's value. Obviously, that's that's when you get into guys later in the rounds like Jarek McKinnon, like Dalvin Cook. Those guys are going in round seven, eight, nine. Love that, right? That's good value. But don't take Brees Hall in round two. He's now part of a committee. You know, it's, it's picks like that. Don't take guys that are going to be extremely limited in their touches and need to be extremely efficient in their touches. You want guys that obviously you want efficiency because you don't want to be drafting guys like Najee Harris or Joy Mixon who are averaging 3.9 yards a carry, but you want efficiency mixed with opportunity. That's when you're going to finish as the number one overall running back or wide receiver or tight end or whatever it is. It's when efficiency meets opportunity. So you really want to be targeting guys like that. Look for guys who are going to be coming out and getting more opportunity in their careers. Alexander Madison is a great example of that. He is not really going to be part of committee unless Dwayne McBrown makes significant strides in year one. I think Alexander Madison is going to be their guy there. He's obviously being pushed into the role that Dalvin Cook was just in. We saw how effective he was when Dalvin Cook was out. That's a perfect example of someone who's being pushed into a role and getting a lot more opportunity. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, perfect examples. High value, volume passing offenses, they're going to be catching a shit ton of balls. Those two guys are 1A and 1B in their offense. And again, opportunity, ultimate cheat code, guys like that. Don't take guys in committees. You're just going to be wasting your time. It's going to be super stressful. You're not going to know which player to start, which player to sit each week. And you're going to be super annoyed when you have Jameer Gibbs that you took in the third round and David Montgomery is taking all the goal line touches. This happened to me last year with DeAndre Swift. Trust me, speaking from firsthand experience, it was fucking annoying. I took DeAndre Swift in the third round, I believe. I might have even taken at the turn of the second. I think it was a 12-man league and I took him at the turn of the second. Now I think about it. And he didn't have a bad year by any means. Statistically, he was pretty effective on the ground. But Jamal Williams had 20 fucking touchdowns. So he didn't finish nearly as highly as he could have as someone who, you know, would not only be getting the the touches between the 20-yard lines, but also be finishing out in the red zone. So keep that in mind as you're drafting. Up next, 
Take an elite QB, but at the right price. Do not over be overzealous for a quarterback. I would never take a quarterback in the second round, but if Mahomes or Allen or Hurts is there in the third and you feel like the value is right, especially if you want to stack them, if you have a guy like Stephon Diggs or you took A.J. Brown earlier and you want to stack them, totally, totally makes, totally makes sense. With that being said, don't be looking for it. And... I would say it's more recommended when depth wouldn't be as crucial. So an example of that is if, let's say, wide receivers went really, really early and a lot of wide receivers are already off the board and you feel like you need to take a wide receiver with the second pick because you took a running back with your first one. So you take Nick Chubb and then A.J. Brown and then you realize that by the time that third round pick is around, Jalen Hurts is still on the board. Mahomes and Allen are already gone. Take Jalen Hurts. It makes sense. You already have your running back one. You already have your wide receiver one. Jalen Hurts is going to give you a lot of upside as a quarterback. The ceiling is so high and the floor is also so high with his rushing. I wouldn't mind that at all. Me personally, would I do that? Probably not. I just don't target uh, quarterbacks that early on, but I'm not going to hate you for it at all. And again, your ceiling is going to be through the roof with those three guys. But on the opposite side of that, let's say you take Nick Chubb in the first round, and then you turn around and get Josh Jacobs instead of A.J. Brown. And I would prioritize wide receivers there because you've seen receivers go off the board early, and you chose to double up on running back, which is totally fair because, again, running back's a really, really thin position. I wouldn't turn around and go, yeah, let's take Jalen Hurts with a third pick, and then let's settle for someone like a, I don't know, like who's going to be there in the fourth round? I, I genuinely don't know. I can't think about it off the top of my head. But... My point is there's going to be a significant, probably like a DK Metcalf or like a Terry McLaurin is going to be wide receiver one, which isn't the absolute worst thing, but I just don't think the ceiling is quite there. If, you know, in the third round, you're still going to be able to take guys with higher ceilings at the wide receiver position and the depth is quickly falling off if they're going early. I probably wouldn't take a quarterback there. Now, my next piece of advice, after rounds like eight, nine, even sometimes around seven, ADP doesn't fucking matter take the guys that you want to take take your favorite guys take the guys with the highest ceiling because seriously what's going to be let's give you a perfect example here jamar chase when he in his rookie year he had an average draft pick of 75 75 in 10 men's leagues that's the middle of round seven right so or no it's middle of round eight right i don't even it doesn't matter my point is there were 74 players taken before Jamar Chase. He ended up finishing as a wide receiver five that year. So what I'm trying to say here is you don't want to draft the guys that's just going to be total floor guys. Where are KJ Osborne, Tyler Boyd, fucking all those types of players that we know year in, year out? Yeah, they're solid players. They get like 60 catches a year. Where's the upside in that? There's no upside. You don't want to play for floor. These are not going to guys that are going to win your leagues. The guys that are going to win your leagues are the Jamar Chases their rookie year. It's players like that. And obviously it's extremely hard to predict, but that's why you just gotta try it. The guys that you're drafting in the seventh, and not maybe not seventh, the guys that you're drafting in like the ninth, eighth, 10th, 11th rounds, those are guys that you're more than likely gonna be dropping anyways on your roster, especially if you're active on the waiver wires like I am. I'm such a waiver wire guy that you'd rather be taking the risks of potentially you know boom or bust players that's okay. You're going to be dropping a lot of those players anyways. That's Even if they don't absolutely boom, those floor players are not going to win you your leagues. You're going to be a dead average team if you're just targeting guys 
like Tyler Boyd. It's just like that's the perfect example. And not that there's anything wrong with Tyler Boyd, and maybe again at the right value it can be there, but Tyler Boyd is not going to be the reason why you win your fantasy league. Jamar Chase being taken 75th overall, finishing as wide receiver five, that might be the reason why you win your fantasy league. So again, I'm not saying to absolutely overreach and go for guys like Zach Evans in the 10th round. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you should be reaching for ceiling. You shouldn't be playing for floor. Hope that makes sense. Up next, if you miss a top tier tight end or quarterback, do not reach. Do not reach. Daniel Jones or Tua Tonga-Vailoa in the 7th or 8th round is fine. Do not panic and take Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson in the 4th or 5th. I just, you shouldn't overplay it. You shouldn't be absolutely eager to get someone like a Mark Andrews or if you miss out on those guys, don't reach for Kyle Pitts, don't reach for George Kittle. It's just not going to be worth it. I promise you the ceiling is not there. Obviously, if you have the upper echelon of these positions, it can give you a significant advantage. But if you miss out on those guys, do not panic. Similar to what I just said in my last point, play for value. Play for guys that you feel like are being overlooked. You feel like their ceiling is much higher. Shit, if Tua's healthy all year, this dude might finish as like the QB 6 to 8 in that range. He's going around the QB 10. So that's just an example of... Again, play for ceiling, not for floor. Do not panic if you miss out on the top tier guys. Try to find value later on and take guys that you feel like can greatly outperform their ADP. Again, hope that makes sense. Up next, my next piece of advice, and this is kind of 50-50 on if you want to do it or not, but draft handcuffs workhorses. We see workhorse running backs get injured a lot, and then they're backup comes in and has pretty similar numbers to them these are guys like eric gray for saquon barkley in new york who has dealt with injuries in the past derrick henry his his handcuff would be tajay spears and then i already mentioned this guy earlier but jalen warren the backup for Najee harris in pittsburgh who straight up might just beat Najee harris out of the starting job i don't think that he, he will but he could he has a chance to do that um, the reason why you want to do this again, if these guys go down with injury, these guys are going to be the immediate RB ones and they have a crazy amount of talent. And even if you don't have, let's say you don't have Derrick Henry on your team, but you have Tajay Spears stashed away and then Derrick Henry does end up getting injured. That's someone you can start or you can use as a leverage piece to trade to the person that has Derrick Henry. So it's definitely worth mentioning. And again, maybe not always the best strategy, but it's something that I like to do on occasion, especially if the value is there later. If I'm sitting there in round 12 and I really don't know who to take, and again, those are players you're going to be dropping most of the time anyways, it might be worth taking a shot on a guy like Roshan Johnson, on a guy like Eric Gray, Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren, one of those guys. Now, I got two more pieces of advice for you guys. The last one, fade the entire tight end position. Look for value. I already mentioned this earlier. Um, don't overextend. Don't overreach for a tight end. I'm not going to talk too much about it. I already mentioned it a little bit earlier. Lastly, do not listen to every single quote-unquote expert or even 100% of my advice. At the end of the day, this is a crapshoot. It's a shit show. A lot of unpredictable shit happens. People are always wrong about ADPs. People are always wrong about predictions. Um, injuries happen. You know, Players get traded midseason. All types of different shit happens in fantasy football. So you do you. Trust your gut. Believe in yourself. And have some fun with it. It's not that deep. It's fantasy football. Obviously, there might be money on the line or punishments or whatever. But don't listen to everyone or anyone in particular. Obviously, take pieces of advice here and there. There are things that can help you. I hope you find this helpful right now. 
but take everything I'm saying and everything you ever hear from any quote-unquote fantasy expert with a grain of salt because no one is absolutely right. Now, let's get deep for a second. Let's talk about some sleepers. I'm not going to cover them too much. Um, let's pause the recording right here so I can timestamp this hoe and then let's get back with the sleepers. All right, I've been fucking rambling for forever, so let's get this over with. Let's, let's list off some sleepers. Let's go deep. All right, I already mentioned this guy earlier. Zach Evans, I think, might be beating out Cam Akers by the end of the year. He's a fantastic running back coming out of Ole Miss. Really, really good prospect. Um, was one of the best recruits coming out of all of high school football. And then dealt with some injuries in college, transferred, ended up at Ole Miss. When he was on the field, you could see the talent there 100%. Cam Akers has been very up and down with his coaching staff, been very up and down with the front office. So Zach Evans, definitely someone worth monitoring, especially if you're in a league with, you know, 12 people. You can, he probably, a lot of these guys won't even go drafted that I'm going to mention here. So definitely worth statching on your bench. Also, if you like Dynasty football, definitely, definitely worth drafting this guy. Up next, Devon A-Chain, very similar to Zach Evans, where pretty crowded backfield with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson there. But Devon A-Chain ran a fourth three two forty at the combine just fits exactly what mike mcdaniel's trying to do obviously a little bit undersized but he's basically raheem mostert just whatever like eight years younger or whatever he is i don't know exactly what their age gap is but my point is they're very very similar in terms of they're just crazy speedsters find a hole hit it hard hit it at 100 miles per hour and they're gone in this system he's going to be an absolute perfect fit devon a chain may never be the workhorse guy but he's going to break away a lot of runs for you and he's dummy fast <laughs> fits what mike mcdaniel's trying to do perfectly and i really really like him um as a sleeper in fantasy football because again he might be going undrafted up next roshan johnson mentioned him a little bit earlier I love Roshan Johnson. His forced missed tackle rate was one of, I think it actually was the best in all of the FBS last year in college football. He is a fantastic player. Would have gone a lot earlier in the draft. Ended up falling to the fourth round because he was behind Bijan Robinson. And that is literally the only reason why. This dude is fantastic. He doesn't have the breakaway speed, but that's not really what Chicago is looking for with him anyways. He's going to be, he's probably going to steal some goal line work pretty early on from Khalil Herbert. And I think with what they want to do, Khalil is more of the outside zone guy, but um, Brett Coleman had an excellent video talking about this. He did a dynasty episode talking about rookie running backs and rookie receivers. And he explained that Roshan Johnson's more of that inside zone power guy. And it really fits what they want to do a little bit more over there, especially with how much they run play action. Um, so Roshan Johnson's definitely a guy that could be, you know, stealing touches as early as, you know, the first few weeks of the season. And by the end of the year, he could be their guy there. I love Khalil Herbert. I'm a big Khalil Herbert guy. He was really, really effective in yards per carry last year. We'll see if he can be as effective now that David Montgomery is gone and he is going to be getting a lot more significant touches there. But Roshan Johnson's a guy that's been impressing a lot of people in camp and a guy that the Chicago Bears seem to be super high on. He can do a whole lot of things. He can pass block. He can even catch the ball a little and just a power runner that fits that culture that they're building over there. And in the cold weather, just seems like a really, really perfect fit. He's a fantastic runner, extremely powerful, and complements Khalil Herbert very well. Their skill sets are very different, and I just am really excited to see what they do with him in Chicago. Up next is Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce is a name that Brett Coleman, again, kind of brought to my attention a little bit because 
I was a big Alec Pierce guy coming out of Cincinnati last year. I absolutely loved him in the draft process. I wanted the Bears to get him really bad because this dude is a freak of nature. He's over 6'2", over 220 pounds, ran in the four threes, and that fits what Anthony Richardson is trying to do very, very well. They're going to air the ball out. They're going to make it simpler on Anthony Richardson in a vertical stretching way, where what I'm trying to say here is similar to, again, Brett Coleman, literally just go watch the video. He broke it down so perfectly, and I think he's absolutely right. Justin Herbert, his rookie year, had so much success because they made it easier on him by taking advantage of his cannon of an arm and his athleticism. There's a lot of times where even in zone principles, if you run a lot of vertical routes, it, be, it basically becomes effectively man it effectively becomes man coverage because your linebackers need to carry guys up the seam your safety needs to carry them over the top your cornerbacks especially if they're playing quarters coverage you know needs to carry them up the sideline ideally force them to the middle of the field where their safety help is but that's not always how it works out so my point is you get a lot of one-on-one matchups from those looks especially when you have a quarterback that's has a cannon of an arm it really helps them just open everything up and it gives them opportunities for one-on-one coverages and if they trust their guys they can pull the trigger and that's what we saw with justin herbert with mike williams keenan allen and now quentin johnson they're going to be doing similar things over there they've got a basketball team that's in one-on-one coverages those guys are going to be monsters to cover because they're just so big and can get up over the top of you and then obviously keenan allen can cross you up with his amazing route running Alec Pierce is going to be in that Mike Williams type role or Quentin Johnson type role where he's going to be catching balls over the top. He's going to be opening the rest of the offense for everything underneath with Michael Pittman and Josh Downs. Michael Pittman, you know, going to be playing a similar role to Alec Pierce, but with the value that he's going at, I just don't see it as much. Josh Downs is going to be the slot guy in that offense. Alec Pierce is going to be the deep downfield option that Anthony Richardson is going to be looking for a lot of times. And Alec Pierce is an athletic freak himself. So with, you know, freaky components in his build and in his profile combined with Anthony Richardson's freak arm and freak athleticism, I think it's going to be, you know, an opportunity for a lot of opportunities <laughs> for Alec Pierce, and I think he's going to be have some success. And I believe he's going undrafted in a lot of drafts, so definitely worth stashing a guy um, with the athletic profile he has. I think he has a lot of upside. Another guy that screams upside is Rasheed Rice coming out of SMU, going to the Kansas City Chiefs. He tested very, very well at the combine and was very effective with his time there at SMU. It's just a matter of time before the Chiefs find their wide receiver one. Um, This is the move they were trying to make. I love his athletic profile and how he fits with Patrick Mahomes. He can get instant separation, but can also separate at the top of the route um, with his pretty good speed. Um, Seems to have really good hands, good contact balance for yards after the catch, because we really know that's what Kansas City bred bread and butter was last year yards after the catch was the name of the game i believe they led the league in yards after catch they're gonna be up there again as well because their scheme is just so good at making guys you know find open room Rasheed rice is definitely a guy with, with a ton of upside i mean honestly every kansas city chief has a ton of upside because of how good this offense is i've been telling you guys to target Jarek mckinnon sky moore is definitely someone who's been on my radar but Rasheed rice for the value he's at makes a ton of sense again probably going to be going undrafted one more guy i want to mention before i get out of here is romeo dobbs romeo dobbs longtime green bay packer psych he's been on the packers for one year 
Um, but I really do think he's being overlooked. He had just as many catches last year as actually he had one more catch than Christian Watson last year. In 13 games, Christian Watson played 14. Dobbs only started seven. Watson started 11. I really think that their target share is going to be a lot closer than people think. And I really think Romeo Dobbs can just do a whole lot of everything. He's a pretty good route runner. He has a pretty deep ball, good at tracking the ball. And I've seen a lot of clips of him and Jordan Love having pretty good chemistry coming out of camp. I think Romeo Dobbs was slept on heavy coming out of the draft. I was surprised he lasted all the way down to the fifth round. And I think that for the value he's going at, I'd rather take Romeo Dobbs at the position where you can get him. Again, may even go undrafted in some of your leagues versus taking Christian Watson in the fifth or sixth round. I just think Dobbs, their ceilings are honestly pretty similar as are their floors. So I would take Dobbs every time over him. Um, with the value that they're going at. Obviously, I'm not going to be taking Dobbs in the fifth or sixth round, but I'm just saying, given where their value is, I think Dobbs is a lot more worth it. But with all that being said, that's all I got for you guys today. This is a fucking really long episode, and I really need to get food in me before I go to work. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to follow me over at Murphy's League on Instagram. Uh, be sure to follow me here on Spotify. Share this with your friends and family. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Have a great rest of your day and peace out.